0: Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Just One More Thing. Today, we are breaking down the January 29th sermon titled An Inheritance to be Gained. And last week, we talked on the podcast that we really needed this sermon to kind of answer some questions that came up last week. From your perspective, do you feel like the sermon should have given us enough to fill in all of those gaps?
1: Well, maybe not all of them, but it uh, hopefully it led us in the right direction. You know, um, if people uh, agreed with me and in my interpretation that the inheritance is not something that's automatic, it doesn't come just because someone's born again. It is something more. Uh, inheritance comes due to suffering in light of obedience that we have to Christ, then that naturally flowed back to the living hope. If an inheritance isn't automatic, then the living hope isn't automatic. It's something that being a believer, we are invited into in our walk with Christ, in our uh, suffering, in our trials, we can find living hope. We can understand that we have an inheritance. So hopefully those two things worked together.
0: So now that we've fully brought up the idea of inheritance, why is this something that people don't quite understand? Or where do we go off track when it comes to the idea of inheritance? Why is this something that when people look at it, maybe they assume one thing and miss the point a little?
1: Yeah. So um, in Galatians 5.21, Paul gives a list of uh, the fruits of the flesh, the things that, that 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 the flesh wants and the flesh does. And at the end of chapter 5 and verse 21, he says this, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And everybody reads that as those that do these things won't enter heaven. But that's not what the word says. And so it, it kind of uh, gives us an insight into our theological... Uh, uh, dispositions we read something that's not there. we bring our theology to the text. Can you think of a time when you might interchange the words enter and inherit? Is there ever a time when when you know that they're synonymous with each other?
0: Not that I can think of not that comes to mind no
1: they don't so but we interchange them in that particular verse. So what does it mean to inherit means to possess something. To enter means to, to come into it, but it doesn't certify possession. Now, a person might possess a house to walk into it, but to inherit shows something completely uh, different or or so much more. And so what I think Paul is talking about there is he's saying that if you practice works of the flesh, you will not own the the... the being a citizen of heaven will not be something that permeates you, that that owns you, that beats with every fiber of your, your soul to act and understand the goodness of God. So um, that's just one instance where people end up doing kind of a bait and switch, uh, and they do that with uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 21. And I, honestly, in that passage, I don't think— uh, inherit means enter, and I don't think kingdom of God means heaven, but that's the switch that everybody makes.
0: So what is the kingdom of God then?
1: Well, it's, a, it's the place where God rules, where God has his, uh, you know, a, a kingdom implies uh, order, a ruler, and if a person is living like that, it's obvious that they're not living their lives understanding that Christ is their ruler. That, that that they are a citizen of a different country with different values. And they don't own that. It's not part and parcel of who they are. And I think that's the warning that the Apostle Paul is is telling them.
0: Okay, so with that, now we go to First Peter and that idea of inheritance. Um, is there anything in particular about Peter's use of it that might need clarification or is it the same idea, or is there anything from First Peter that you wanna add a little or flesh out?
1: Well, you know, right after the sermon, someone came up to me and uh, I had been using the term co-heirs, that we are co-heirs with Christ. And they corrected me, rightly so, that that is not technically, that is not correct. The word for uh, that I was saying co-heirs is really joint heirs. And it's uh, it's a little, it's just a little bit of difference but it's a big difference, and, and they were right in pointing that out to me. If you co-own something, you own something 50-50 or 60-40. But if you're joint heirs, you both own it 100%. And what I think the Apostle Paul is saying and what Peter is saying is that when we suffer for Jesus, we end up owning what he owns. Uh, this comes through in, like, Matthew chapter 20, verse 21 um, One of the mothers of the apostles, of of two of the apostles, came up to Jesus and said, Grant that my sons can sit on your right and left when you're on your throne in your kingdom. So there is a sense in which, a real sense, to where we will rule with him. Those, not just those that are saved, but those who have an inheritance, who are joint heirs with Christ, will rule. And in that kingdom, there have to be subjects. And there's got to be uh, an order, and there's going to be joint heirs. And those joint heirs are determined by people that suffer, that live obediently to Christ. Salvation is free, full and free. Entrance into heaven is paid through the shed blood of Christ on the cross, and we simply believe him for that. We trust him that he has done enough for that. It's the living water that he offered to the Samaritan woman in John 4. But to be joint heirs with Christ, that is requires obedience. It requires us to um, live our lives in submission to Christ, it, to follow him, and uh, to do the work that the Father has sent us to do, to do it as he was doing it while he was here. So, um, And we can develop that more, But but that's a distinction that needs to be made. And I think Rightly so. It's uh, a lot of the literature interchange co heirs with joint heirs, but I think technically speaking, joint heirs is the correct way to understand what Christ offers those that suffer on his behalf.
0: So, maybe shifting gears, I was reading through Proverbs this morning, and one of the verses that came up I felt like added some maybe not added some clarity because I feel like you did make this very clear in your sermon, but supported the idea that inheritance is merited and not necessarily just, it's not an obligation to be given. It, it's its through obedience. Um, and so Proverbs 17, 2 says, um, this is the ESV, a servant who deals wisely will rule over a son who acts shamefully and will share the inheritance as one of the brothers. So obviously people aren't, just giving servants the same inheritance as the sons, but because the servant has acted wisely, the servant has merited to be counted as though the servant is one of the brothers. So I was reading that this morning. I was like, oh, it fits. Yeah,
1: I get chill bumps when you read that because it fits perfectly. We were outside of the grace of Christ when we didn't know him. We were in a foreign land. And by his shed blood, we come into his family. We become heirs of children of God, heirs of God. But through suffering and through obedience and through following him in our day-to-day decisions, in those circumstances that we find ourselves, we become joint heirs with Christ. The, the slave has become a, a part of the family and, and, and to the point of ruling, and what, what's Christ becomes ours. And so uh, we look forward to that day uh, in his kingdom to practice that rule with him. You know, we didn't cover this, but the Apostle Paul uh, covers in the very next verse in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And so what he's talking about is being a joint heir with Christ. He can't even compare when he, when he holds up our sufferings to that. It is so much beyond anything we can even imagine. Uh, what it will appear is that our sufferings that seem so bad here and the cost that we're paying here will be like a mere inconvenience to the glory that we will experience when we're with Christ and being joint heirs and, and, and having that experience. So from one perspective, what I was talking about in Galatians uh chapter 5, that's the experiential experience of, of the inheritance. But what Paul is also talking about and Peter's talking about is the objective experience that we haven't even experienced yet. There's there's this whole other facet of this, of what lies in heaven for us.
0: One of the things that came to mind as well when you were talking about what this inheritance inheritance means and how things that we do, suffering that we go through, we're kind of—it's um, like a deposit in the bank where we go through trials, and when we stand firm in those, you know, you can almost hear the ching sound going off in, right. in, in heaven because it's its a sure thing, and it doesn't perish, it doesn't fade. Um, so one of the things that that made me think of um, was Matthew 6, 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he also says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
1: And it's like I said in the message, you're either living uh, for today or you're living for the future. Uh, Randy Alcorn, uh, in his book, The Treasure Principle, Uh, he gives the illustration of placing a, a pen or a pencil on a piece of paper. And when you place, when that pen comes in contact with that paper, it makes a dot. But then you draw the line. And he says, in drawing the line, if the dot represents our time here, the line would represent eternity. And he says, you're either living for the dot or you're living for the line. And so what Peter is encouraging people that are going through suffering to do is live for the line. Think about the future. There's so much more that we have in store for us in the future. And these light and momentary afflictions, they are nothing compared to the infinite glory and what we will have in Christ Jesus in the future. And and again, it's, it's not a... Uh, a hopeful or, or wishful thinking, it's, it's certainty. It's certainty because Christ has risen from the dead. And so we can take that uh, to, to the greatest bank ever, uh, to the bank of heaven.
0: Totally agree. Thank you for going through that and for bringing in um, some of those other verses as well. That that gives us a full picture of where this theme carries throughout the entire Bible Um, So thank you for that, and thank you all for listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.